Welcome to the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast, where we discuss with experienced and successful sales leaders what works and what doesn't in the sales profession. Join us as we tap into high-performing sales leaders and their passion for field sales. We've lined up for you some of the smartest movers and shakers in sales leadership to share their formulas for success and the tricks of the trade. Join us as we pull back the curtain, giving you actionable insights and strategies that you can use with your sales team. I'm a big fan of today's guest, Joe. He's He's got my respect for a number of reasons. In fact, my first conversation with Joe, I, I knew he was different. He's a leader that actually leads. He holds folks accountable. He sets a high bar and has the absolute respect of his team as well. Sadly, it's most common in the world of outside sales that leaders get into those those sales leadership positions because they were a top great individual contributor. And I think we all know just because you're a top performer as an individual rep, that doesn't necessarily translate into being a great leader of the team. Outside sales, it's imperative to have a repeatable, scalable, and predictable process and Joe McDonald has done just that with Jasper. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Um, it's good to hang out with you again. Thanks. I appreciate you guys inviting me. And uh, thank you for the very nice introduction. Appreciate it, JT. Let's start out, Joe, with just like, what's your background with Jasper? How did you get where you are today? Just uh, both sales and with Jasper engines and transmissions. Sure. My sales story is is interesting. It's not something I pursued. Uh, same thing with the automotive industry. I just kind of fell into it out of college, landed in the car rental industry back in the early 90s, which really pretty, you know, volatile industry, uh, especially on the insurance side. From there, I went into the quick lube industry for a franchisor. And that's really where I, I learned about business. I was the uh, the representative that showed up the quick lube on a Monday morning. They didn't know I was coming. I'm, I'm from the franchisor to make sure that they're doing everything we're asking them to do, but learned a lot about business through that, a lot of great business people, and really how to engage the customer processes, which I'm, we're, we're going to talk about, I'm sure. And then um, fell uh, into Jasper, really. I was uh, recommended to, to Jasper by uh, a, a shop, an independent repair shop. I happened to be in there trying to get uh, some of their business on the quick loop side, he picked up the phone and, and called a gentleman by the name of Craig Hessenauer, and the rest was history. And on the sales side, the reason I say that really wasn't the plan, I, I didn't look at myself as a salesperson. When I took this position, a lot of my friends and family you know, said, you're going to get fired because you're not a salesperson. And we kind of laughed at it. But what I found fairly quickly as uh, the people in the automotive aftermarket, these independent repair shop owners are salt of the earth. They're good people. And they just want to be told how it is. They're hit just like a lot of independent businesses are with a lot of salespeople throughout the day. So I found by being very direct, and sometimes you got to say no to a customer. We can't do that. And I didn't have any issues doing it. So that's really what got me with Jasper. I was very blessed to come to work for this company in the late 90s. In the late 90s, the economy overall was doing very well. Aftermarket was doing very well. And we were growing. This was a company that was uh, privately owned by two families. We had at the time about 26 branches. Today, we have 52, double that. So I came on, did very well in the Baltimore area as an outside sales rep, and I was fortunate to take a regional role about three years in, oversaw the Southeast region of Jasper and was involved and opened up a lot of the major markets. 
And then uh, just about five years ago, they chose me to take over the uh, executive vice president of sales role for outside and inside sales. So a lot of that strategic things I was doing in my region, I've now brought to the company as a whole. In the executive VP sales position, it's more strategic, which obviously helped with the introduction about my customer and the type of things we were trying to do there. So that's my background. Awesome. Love it. I already learned a lot, even just from background wise. So you talked a little bit about process, like how you instituted it when you were a individual rep on the quick loop side, and then when you came into Jasper. Can you talk a little bit about how that process started with just you and then how it evolved across your rep teams? Territory management is difficult. It's not easy. And it's where a lot of reps get tripped up. And if you don't have that leadership or something to look for, you can get lost. And it really started with me about six, eight months in of being very frustrated with the job, you know, not knowing where I needed to go, not being organized and that I just feel lost. So I'll never forget it, calling up our my manager and regional and saying, you don't need to pay me. I'm taking off a day. I'm going to get buried and I'm going to figure this thing out. And I bought a map and start to break down my territory in the four different quadrants. First, I did it two, then four, but we figured it out in the four quadrants. And I spent a week in each quadrant in my entire territory. And that allowed me to be much more efficient. So it really started with that on the process of territory management. Our company had processes. We're a manufacturing company. We remanufacture engines and transmissions, a very tangible product, heavy product. When we started coming to outside sales piece of it, we go directly to the installer market. We've really carried those processes from manufacturing to outside sales. Doesn't happen all the time in outside sales, right? So I kind of describe when uh, somebody's interviewing with us, we're in production sales. Kind of give it that name because you know, we're bringing you for your personality and what you can do, but you're going to have to fit into a system of selling that we had that we know is, has been very successful. That's where the processes go a lot deeper than just territory management to where we've gotten work instructions down for an outside salesperson. We can bring somebody from the outside, plug them in. If they follow these work instructions, they'll do the job on average if they're a good extrovert, a good person, has those intangibles as a salesperson, it's going to be a grand slam. But the processes is what makes that happen. The other piece of it, a group of us went to a class back in the 90s on just outlines. Let's go look at this, this sales class on outlines. What we pulled out of that were sales plans. Duh. How about preparing before you go into a sales call, right? And that, that crazy talk. But we require it. We require our guys to write a sales plan before that call. And sometimes these guys are writing it the night before, earlier in the morning for the first six, eight calls. When you're pulling up to that account, you're prepared to get out of your car and walk in, not sit, sit in your car for 10 minutes and they're looking at you, what's this guy doing? From the time you start your day, to how many calls you make, to how many presentations you're making, to who you're calling on, it's all broken down in those processes. Some people say that's micromanagement, that's big brother. It's been described that way in a negative light. But again, if you have processes to fall back on, it limits failure. If there's failure, you can easily go back and find out where that failure is at. You're not doing this. You're you're not saying this when you're in a call. You're not pre-planning your day. You're doing all those processes and you're struggling. I'll come out, get in that car, and we'll figure it out. Because if it's not the processes, it's something else. Let me add on to this real quickly. I, I remember a conversation with you. This was probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Forgive me if you didn't say this. I think you did. But without the process... It's very difficult to understand 
why a rep is performing at a high level. Because I think that we talked about you could be in the right territory at the right time without any talent and still be doing really successful. So when you follow the processes, if the territory is good at the wrong time, but with the right talent, you still succeed. That's exactly right. So we've got these four quadrants when it comes to that too, right? And when you look at quadrant two, everything's clicking. Quadrant one, maybe not so much, but you break it down in that. To go a little bit more in detail, what you're saying there is, first of all, sales hides all sins, right? Guys up, must be doing great. Maybe it's in the Southeast where all the populations go into. It's booming down there. And you're looking at him like he's you know, the, the best rep out of everyone. But then you go ride with him and you're like, how in the world is he getting these sales? Right. He's not talking about what he should be talking about. He's starting his day late. He doesn't know where he's going. So all those things come into play and we hold that accountable. We're not going to look at a rep. Hey, you're the number one rep this month and in, an in, in increase in sales. That's great. But we're going to look at that statistical piece, too. Are you making your 13 calls a day? Are you doing six presentations a day? Are you taking your customers out for a meal for lunch? Those are all the attributes that we know will will breed success long term, right? And right now, why the economy and at least in the after, automotive aftermarket is still very good for a lot of reasons because of COVID. So I know we've got hidden sins going on out there. And what I'm banging on my guys about right now is it's going to get difficult again. And if our guys don't have those sales skills that we've been training them on and practicing them and executing them, they're going to be the first ones to come to the top. We're going to easily see who hasn't been doing or following the processes. Yeah, I like that you're like hinting at this. So I just kind of want to be more direct about it. So you're doing a great job of describing what the sales process is like for the individual rep. They have to make 12 good calls a day. They have to do six presentations, et cetera. What does that look like from a territory manager and then you in the executive vice president seat to kind of analyze and assess that process and how it's being executed? What our hierarchy is, you have the sales rep, you have a sales manager, you have a regional sales manager, five regional sales managers that report directly to me. So down to the sales rep, that work instruction breaks down that daily requirement, just like you just described. Our sales managers still have their own territory. And we made that decision many years ago. We still wanted them doing the process, right? It's a smaller territory, but things change in this industry that if you're not in the field consistently, you're going to lose a pulse on it. So you really can't lead these guys directly as a sales manager if you're not going out doing the same thing they're doing three or four days during that week. So we incorporate that. A regional sales manager is a step away from it. They don't, they're not making those daily calls. However, I've got work instructions from a regional sales vice presidents. There's a number of days that they need to be in the field every month with reps. We've got a definition for that. That doesn't mean jumping with a rep, make two calls, grab lunch with them, and head to the next town. No, that's you spending a day with a rep, right? So that's required for them. And again, that's going to allow them to keep a pulse on it too. So those requirements go all the way up to the regional vice president level. At my level, it's more that strategic piece, regional down, it's day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. So we've got expectations uh, for that. I hope that answers your question. But from a standpoint of, of those processes, it, it doesn't end there. And we didn't have work instructions. And I keep saying this work instructions. All that is is putting those processes down on paper, right? You can come in and open those work instructions and realize, okay, this is what I need to do on a, on a statistical and on a daily basis or weekly basis, right? So we've written those work instructions for a sales manager that includes those ride-alongs, what to look for during a ride-along. And JT, you mentioned that at the beginning of this. We did that. 
the rep that was here the longest, you're the sales manager now. We stopped doing that, you know, six, eight years ago proactively, probably still doing some of it subconsciously, but we're really looking for a different level leader today that necessarily wasn't the best rep, but he's got the ability to read the room, right? That self-awareness that is so important that he sees those things before anybody else does, right? So we're looking for that higher level leader, if you will. That makes the processes and work instructions a lot easier because as much as we talk about this, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that you've got a a good character person, self-awareness, good leadership skills outweighs that statistical piece. But those two together, you can't get there without the statistical piece in the processes. You just you just can't. Yeah, that's awesome. You're kind of um, touching on it a little bit and you've mentioned some metrics already. So what do you feel like are those statistical pieces? What are those metrics that really matter for reps, managers, and then your like VP level? Yeah. So for us, it's number of accounts that you're hitting, right? Per day. End of the day, it's face-to-face in front of the customer. We get so busy with all these other things. Well, I had to do this project and I'm working on this report looking at this query and we're going to run this. No, get in front of the customer. So we require that. And matter of fact, our efficiencies we've gained because of that, my customer, and because of the other tool we're using, Big Thing Can, our requirement now is 13 good calls a day because we know they're getting these other pieces done faster, right? So from, from for a rep, it's those 13 good calls per day. And then from a um, relationship piece, it is the meals. So we put a big emphasis on taking the customer out of his shop not just walking in with donuts in the morning or, hey, guys, I'm going to grab wings and come by. It's taking that owner out and having that one-on-one with them. So those are two big metrics there. The little things are what they're talking about with the customer. We'll pull that out. We sell gas engines, transmissions, differentials, diesel engines. We want to know what they're talking about. So now we're starting to pull that out, that if I've got a rep that's selling more gas engine, transmission, whatever, I can dig down. I guarantee everything is going to go back to what he's talking about. Kind of funny, right? What you talk about is what you sell. We can see it when we go blitz an area and we say, let's blitz this area on transmissions. Guess what inquiries start getting? Transmissions. So we're tracking that now to understand that to steer our guys in the right direction. There's many, many things we can measure and we can play around with it. But that core piece is the good calls, meals, and then presentations. What are they talking to the customer about? is what we're measuring. Now, from a bigger piece, we look at territory management, the spread of type accounts that they have in that territory as a whole, in-call management, that's that sales plan, and we have them turning them in. What are you talking about with the customer? And is that consistent? Did you write a call plan? But let me go look at the notes you wrote and map my customer. Hmm. You wrote in the call plan that you were going to ask him to give you a commitment on his next transmission job, but you wrote notes in there. You talked about diesel engines. What are we doing here, Right. That's where it gets a little bit more in depth, where that salesperson will go into that call with a plan. The owner says something, totally off his plan. Now, that may make sense. What that owner's asking may carry enough weight that I'm going to put this on the sideline. This is what's important to the customer today. I'm going to think quick on my feet and do a good call based on what he wants. 90% of the time, it doesn't carry that weight. But the rep doesn't know enough to look back down. Okay, hey, I want to talk today about transmissions. So that's where it gets a little bit more in detail with us, where we, uh, that sales rep or sales leader is riding with that rep. That's that in-call management piece that we put a lot of weight on. Not a level deeper there for you, but that's the biggest piece. It's going to be that face-to-face communication and spending time with the customer. 
Joe, I, I want to define for everybody. One, I'm hoping that, that everybody here is taking away that he measures what matters. We're going to lose the sales team quickly. Make them log data that does not lead to revenue. Make them log data where they don't see the value in it. So Joe does a great job there. Quick definition of the 13 good calls. Unless something has changed, they define a good call as meeting with a decision maker. You're not going in just to shoot the breeze with the receptionist. You're getting to a decision maker to further the relationship there. And they measure that very, very quickly and easily within Map My Customers as well. The comment we use, what gets measured gets done. And the good call is with a decision maker or an influencer to the decision maker, right? So you'll see plenty of days where you'll see 16 stops, 11 good calls. That's a typical day, right? We're not making appointments for the most part for what we do. That's kind of different in the outside sales world too. These guys are walking right into these independent repair shops, grabbing and carving out 10 or 15 minutes. Now, when they first start, it's hard to get that time with that owner or that service manager because there's been no credibility, no value brought. What ends up happening, because our guys are planned, they're going in there with question they want to ask. I want to talk about transmissions. They ask an involvement question, then they shut up. They let the customer speak. What the owner or manager ends up seeing is when my guy comes in, he's prepared. He gets to the point, he's out of there in 10 or 15 minutes. Now, they're being hit with brake sales guy, the bolt sales guy, the credit card sales guy that walks in there with a flyer. Hey, what you think of that game last night? How about this weather? They don't have time for that. So what ends up happening is it's, it's just a fun evolution to watch. When our guy walks into that shop and that brake sales guy is walking out with his you know, tail between his legs and the shop owner says, hey, Joe, what do you got today? How the hell did you do that? Well, I did it by bringing value. It's not easy. And then that shop owner starts to give us that time because we don't only talk about our product. I want to understand what's going on with him. And we have our guys qualify them. So it goes a lot deeper than that. But again, for this piece of it, what gets measured gets done. And where I see a lot of sales leaders that I've talked to about this across the country is fear. Fear of putting some of these things in place that they may lose, they may lose a rep. And you have to put this in place. And what it comes down to is best practices. And I've shared with most, look at what your top three reps are doing. Go ride with them. What are they doing? Take one or two of those things and bring that into the fold across your team. That's where you get the buy-in. Hey, guys, our, our top three reps consistently are taking customers out once a week. They're starting their days with these type of calls. They're asking these type of questions create best practices, and then hold them accountable to do those. We do. That's awesome. Love it. We had a question from Jason. Joe, can you talk a little bit about rep adoption of Map My Customers? So maybe how you did it, how you set it up for them, and how they use it day to day? Yeah, good question, Jason. So we did it by region. We've got five regions. We didn't want to throw it out to everybody at once. So we we brought it in gradually and we learned a little bit from that region. So when we open it up to the next region, maybe we tweaked a couple of things. The other piece is we don't give our guys an option, right? I've talked to some folks and uh, we're bringing in regionally. We really want them to use this. Well, this is our CRM. You must enter your call into this product. So it's mandatory for us. So when you say adoption, it's mandatory. Now. <laughs> We really copied what we were doing before into my, my customer so we can look at, it's called meetings now instead of good calls, you know, terminology changes, but it was mandatory. But not only that, 
What we did from a buy-in perspective is we had some of our best reps pilot it first, tweaked it a little bit before we brought it in and said, these guys, this is what they like about it. That's why we're bringing it in. And the other piece that we shared is MVP, minimal viable product. We put it out. It replaced what we had initially at a minimal viable product, but we knew it would get better. And that's what we've shared, guys. We're going to tweak this and make it better as we go along. And one of the best use cases of that is our sales leaders now have the ability to put a coach's note in live. So they can see, you know, a rep saw Joe's Automotive and he's going to be going back in there later this week. He can go right into that account. Hey, Joe, I noticed you said you talked about this last time. Try this this time. When you start to do those type of things and you get something out of it, that buy-in happens a lot more. So that was the adoption piece that we did for it. When we turned them over to it, it was mandatory to start using it. Yeah, that's awesome. You talked a little bit about this, and I'm curious if you have any more to add on just how technology has played a role in both the sales process and then you evolving that process over time. As a company as a whole right now, technology, you know, we're looking at these third-party vendors and bring them in there. We've always written things in-house here. So we kind of built something up to exactly the way that we wanted it. And we got probably a little lazy doing that. What technology is giving us is more insight into the statistics, right? It's the analytics that we're able to pull out of it is the biggest piece of this. Now, there can be too much of that, right? Just looking at analytics all day long and what are you really going to do out of it? So I've actually challenged my regional team right now, and we're working with Matt, my customer, on some dashboard stuff right now, that just because we've measured things all this time, let's not go into it that way. We've got the ability with this new technology to pull different analytics out, but let's make sure what we're pulling out is moving the needle, right? Is it truly moving the needle? And we know the process and statistics that we put together can do that, but we're also able to dig a little deeper because of the technology. The other piece of it is on the presentation side of it. We're using a company called Big Ten Can. Our guys are able to walk into that shop. They have iPads. They can quickly show a video of our manufacturing process. Think quick on their feet if something comes up. That alone has been you know, tremendous for us. We can email the customer right there. We can see if the customer opened up that email. So we can we analytics out what's working, right? What emails are working, what, what aren't? So from a technology aspect, it's exciting. And I can't answer a lot because we, we haven't had it that long to really see what it's going to bring. But uh, the benefits of it, 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 it's exciting to see it. That's fantastic. So Brian asked as a follow-up to that, Joe, can you talk a little bit about the reports that you use from your program? Yeah. So right now, we're really pulling out SIC code, right? So we, we look at industries that our reps are calling on. You have our independent repair shop owners. We have fleets, we have municipal, we have dealerships, we have parts, we have government school boards. We know where our business is at. What we're able to pull out of uh, Matt, my customer, one of the reports that's exciting is I can easily pull up who a rep is calling on. And I didn't have visual of that before. Now I can say, hey, Joe, 90% of your time, you're walking these independent repair shops. Now, why are they doing that? Because it's the easiest. I know it's the easiest. You can walk right in and probably get a good call in. It's not so easy to do that with that fleet manager. So we're able to see visualization of that and say, now, hey, I want you to work on that. The other thing that gives us is what that rep's uncomfortable doing, right? Step out of that comfort zone. I want you doing five fleet calls next week. So that's the biggest piece. That, that's one of the reports we're pulling out of it. Obviously, from a statistical piece, I shared all those. We can easily pull that out of it. 
I would say that. And then on a territory management piece, we break our calls down to 12 sixes and fours. A 12 is somebody they're going to see every month, a six every other month. Now we're able to pull that out as well and see how many 12s that they have. Are they off frequency on that? When I said about being face-to-face in front of the customer, the foundation of a success of one of our reps is if you have somebody who's a 12, you need to see them every month. So I'll pull out a report very quickly and I can see a rep's off frequency on 30% of his 12s. That's a big problem, big problem, because you're not seeing them consistently. So I would say the two biggest pieces is the breadth of the industries they're calling on, and we're finding our guys stay in their comfort zone, and now I can easily push them out of that. And then on the frequency piece, if a guy's not calling on his customer in the frequency he's supposed to, we can grab that up too. Given that we have so many sales leaders on the on the line right now, I think this is valuable. And I do want to give a big kudos to Austin on your team real quick, Joe. This goes in line with reporting, but insight as to what's going on with specific accounts. We did an account review not long ago with Austin and Austin had a, a direct note inside of an account to one of his reps, direct questions, get direct answers. Yep. He was yep. telling his rep, you need to ask this. And then he followed up with that direct questions, get direct answers. So um, that's that's Austin. That's not JT. Use that. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean but that goes back to we've got access to their rep in the field before he walks in there and sees that. And really what Austin's saying there is get uncomfortable. You know, we see a lot of our veteran reps start to stagnate and we go ride with them and they've gotten comfortable. They're walking in that same shop that now is a very good account of theirs, but now they're just giving them a pass. They're walking in, hey, how you, oh, good, what you got going? Let, let me show you what we're doing here. You're not asking the tough questions anymore. You know, you're not asking that direct question as he's saying. So we can easily pull that out of that because hell, we can just pull notes, right? Let's review notes. Let's compare that to the sales plan. And when I say sales plans, we're physically on a piece of paper. These guys are writing that sales plan up before walking into that at all. Again, most of them are doing it in bulk. And again, it's about what's that benefit question I want to state? What's that hook? What's that involvement question that's going to get the customer to start talking? So that notes piece, we can see if they're actually executing that, executing that sales call. But again, the reporting piece foundational are the two two that I mentioned, but heck, we can pull meals, who's doing the most meals, who's showing the most videos, who's showing the most PowerPoints, on and on and on what we're pulling out. But the two that I mentioned earlier are the foundational pieces that we would start off with and dig down from there. Awesome. Love it. Joe Anderson has a question. Do you know if the sales team uses the web or the mobile app most on their iPads? Yeah, it's been the mobile app. We've had a couple guys like the web version. But I would say a majority of them are using the uh, mobile app on the iPads. Awesome. Do any of your reps use phones or do they only use iPads? Some use phones. All of our reps have iPads. Our programming is was for the iPad, but some have used their phones. They found it easier. That's kind of new for us, honestly, but we don't see any issues with it, with the reporting and everything we're getting back. We're allowing that to happen. But as we're getting more input back from our reps, there's a certain percentage of them that are using the phones. We're doing some internal things right now. If that question's coming from a connectivity issue or anything like that, our plan that we had internally, we found wasn't the strongest plan with Verizon like it should have been. So we're fixing that. And that was causing some of our reps probably to use the phone instead of the iPad. They're going back and forth. From a reporting piece, from what we're seeing, we're not seeing any differences. So Pete, I'm going to allow you to come on real quick, if you don't mind. 
mentioned Verizon and uh, Joe, that's that's probably maybe that's something that we're having our biggest frustration. We're a med device company. And I'll say that as our reps are going into the hospitals, as they're doing their check ins, I've been there. I've seen it where it just spins and spins and spins. And that's like the frustrating part. That's really the only negative that I hear from my team with this program. And I, I just want to know how how to alleviate that because I see the value. I love everything you're talking about, right? So that that's what I need to figure out how to get through. Yeah, no, Pete, we were we were going through. As a matter of fact, we're still in the process internally. We've actually got five reps. I got my IT team shadowing, and uh, we got one guy that was struggling the most and really looking at it. But from the low lying fruit, uh, it's our it was our Verizon plan. We've just switched that for these five. And actually, we're doing kind of a blind study. We're not telling them which ones we switch because we want to hear real real time from them. But we went with the lower version of it, which made no sense internally. So that's on us. We also found the iPad versions that we had out there weren't new enough. And we've had some, we had some guys with still iPad 5s and, and 6s and stuff like that. So uh, the processing power in those iPads was causing that and contributing to it. So we're, we're making those two changes now. I can tell you the couple that we've made the changes on, 80% of it has been corrected. Can you provide a little more detail of what does that mean you changed the Verizon plan? We had AT&T and Verizon we were using across the country. Verizon came to us, so we brought our, our business over to Verizon nationwide. Yep. I didn't know this until recently, but they have different different plans. We were paying a lower amount and getting lower connectivity, lower processing through their program. Yeah. Um, I actually, Pete, if you on the sideline, shoot, shoot an email over to me. I'll share with you what exactly was sent from our IT team to me to share that. And I was kind of like, really, guys? We shared we were going over this new program. Why would you do that? They felt it would have been enough, but it's not enough processing power. So we're going to crank that up, pay more money to Verizon for it, and get better connectivity. That's why I had some guys saying, that's why I go over to my phone, Joe. I'm, I'm throwing iPads right next to each other on my phone. I don't have that issue. Well, their phone had better processing power than the iPad or better Verizon or AT&T plan than we had. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's, that. That's helpful. One more hand raiser here. I'm going to have uh, Mike. I'm going to have you come on, please. Question is mainly for Joe. And uh, thank you very much. I've been listening very carefully on what you're doing. I'm in a little bit of a different different business than you are. Your tablets that you use, are they a special brand? No, they're the Apple iPads. Okay. Now, I, again, you said you're on the on the Verizon carrier, but in other parts of the country, you use AT&T. Do you have difficulty with AT&T? We did, right? We had AT&T and Verizon. We're now only with Verizon. I traveled all over the country. I've always had Verizon and have really not had issues unless you're in a very rural area. Verizon and their coverages that they gave us is the reason we went completely over to Verizon. I feel that should be sufficient when we get to that higher level of, of coverage or processing power, whatever you want to call it, it should be fine. So we're with Verizon 100% now. Do your reps, are they in more rural or suburban areas? Mostly rural, okay? Most of our business comes from outside you know, the cities. But again, still good coverage. Now, some of my guys in the Midwest, yeah, that it, it, it becomes a stretch. And we know there's going to be times like that. We go into a lot of metal buildings, same issues there. But we were, that's an issue with, with our coverage on, on internally. 
Okay. Now another question: Deb, using the uh, the program itself, strictly dealing with the program itself, is there live streaming streaming on that tablet that when you are driving around and your agents are driving around, can they pinpoint where you are at on a map? Number one. Number two. Can they, if they find a business that they can't reach that day, can they tag it, then come back to it in the office later and make the necessary introductions from the office, then go back there? Leadership can go on and, and see them live. They so chose to do that. Uh, yes, we have the ability to do that in this app. As far as tagging something inside Map My Customer Kim, you may answer that. Sure. I was going to say that might be more of a Kim JT question. Yeah, no, it, with, within the application, you know, tagging, it really probably depends what you're really looking for. I'd say set up a follow up reminder for yourself to like look back into that account. You want to throw them in a group, follow up group, whatever it might be. There's different ways that you could kind of set reminders, follow ups for yourself. So really just depends on how you're looking to accomplish that. But that's likely how you would do it. Is Kind of setting a follow-up or something like that. How, okay. how we do that and how we've always done exactly the kind of scenario you're talking about. That's one of the reasons we give 12 sixes and fours. A rep may just write that down real quick, put them as a 12 and put them in the frequency. So it's going to automatically come up when they're in that area next month. That's kind of the reminder. They're in a 12, they're going to come up to be called on. Or if they were canvassing, because we have guys canvassing and they're actually still in that area tomorrow. It's just going to be a side note on map. My customer, I left off at this area on the map, and I'm going to pick up canvassing by going into this shop. But if they're leaving the area for some time, we put a frequency on it. So it's going to automatically come up due to be called on in one month. I have a, a few more seconds here. I've been using up until about five years ago, streets and trips. Mm. So this will be the replacement program for streets and trips. And I got very comfortable with streets and trips, and it did exactly what I needed. If you're familiar with it, you know what Streets and Trips was able to do. Of course, now it's now it's really non-functioning and the computers are non-functioning. Joe, again, question for you from your reps. When they're using that tablet, can it be downloaded to their desktop or laptop computer that they can work in the office and see what they did, where they did? And if I have to show this to a supervisor, this is what I did for today. This is my route. Can they actually see this? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can save routes. A lot of our guys have routes now that they've been utilizing for some time. So they'll name the route, save the route, export the route. We can look at a route. We can look at the stops that the the particular rep made, how he's running his route. Yes, yes, yes. You know, when, when you go into this application, you have some that are just using it for the customer management portion of it and not using the routing piece of it. Just a piece that I didn't share. That's the First reason I reached out to Matt, my customer, was for routing because I wanted to get my guys more efficient. Then I realized this product is a CRM, which where we are today, and I was excited about that. But the routing piece of it is really what this was born from. But to answer your question, <laughs> if you haven't used this routing piece inside Matt, my customer, and you've been used to streets and, and maps, uh, I think you, you're going to be excited for what you see. Mike, I would add one thing to what Joe said. So thank you, Joe. Mike. Even your lingo from your your streets and trips experience, you're not going to have to export, upload, import, which was a super common theme with streets and trips. You'll have Map My Customers, mobile-based, iPhone app-based, and then a desktop version as well. So anything that you do on desktop, 
automatically updates on web, on the desktop. Anything you do on desktop automatically updates in, in the app as well. So you're, you're not going to have to worry about exporting or loading into the, the desktop experience. Sounds good. Now, one more question before we leave. The tablet itself, will that actually be the GPS unit for the program? I mean, Streets and Trips, I always had a GPS unit that was stuck on the windshield of the car mm-hmm. attached to the computer. Look, if you have your iPad up, I'll answer it's like, if you have Google Maps within your, your iPad or my phone's over there, but on my phone, right? you can go, you can start a route and get directions right there, pull up Google Maps, Apple Maps or Waze, whatever your, your mapping preference is, but it, it'll give you GPS right to where you need to go. Great. That's the question I needed to answer. Thank you very much. And I appreciate the time, everyone. And Joe, for your answers too. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, no problem. Like one other thing on the routing piece that now we've made it mandatory for our guys to route. And a lot of our veterans think they know their territories, all that fun stuff. But uh, another cool piece of the routing is if you, you put a route together and you put your routes, your stops in there, it will also bring up other uh, accounts on that route similar to that industry, right? So our guys that think they know their territory, our veterans, we're having them do this. And they're now admittedly saying, you know, well, I didn't know John's opened back up or this shop was in this industrial park. That's been a big piece of the routing for us to find uh, new business. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You got it. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the questions. Right before we wrap up, just one really quick question from Jason. Um, do you guys provide iPads or do they belong to the reps? Yeah, we, we provide the iPad. And that's where I was mentioning earlier that the phones thing is usually as kind of new to us. But we do provide the the iPad and obviously the uh, the internet and cell coverage piece of it, so they've got that that coverage of it. And guys, we're looking at other devices as well. We may test some other devices, but right now it's been the iPad. That question earlier, where we do have some reps that like the the web version of it, and we'll work through that versus the uh, the application. But it's really a personal preference. All right, great. That is um, all the time for today. Joe, thank you again. This is fantastic. Really, really appreciate your time. Hope everyone learned a lot and appreciate your answers to everyone's questions. 